We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Chargers Analytics with Arjun. In this episode, we're going to be talking about the importance for the Chargers to have a top 10 offense in 2021 and for pretty much the entirety of Justin Herbert's rookie contract. We're pretty much going to be explaining why having a top 10 offense is necessary to win the Super Bowl, as well as having a top 10 offense is important for stability from year to year and why the Chargers did a good job of focusing on the offense this offseason rather than you know trying to build up the defense under a first year head coach who is a defensive minded head coach right so in this offseason cycle um i really wanted an offensive head coach to take over uh like someone like a brian dable arthur smith you know i wouldn't have minded uh either of those two i had robert sala on my um on my like top three list initially uh, but that's because I thought he would be bringing the Shanahan system over, which he did. You know, he's bringing it to the Jets with Michael Fleur, right? And and I wouldn't have minded a defensive head coach, but I needed to see that they had an offensive plan in place for Justin Herbert to maintain long-term success, right? So in this video, pretty much is going to be going over why the Chargers having a top 10 offense is necessary for them to, first of all, have a chance of winning the Super Bowl and to maintain long-term success. So let's go to the first thing I want to talk about. Let's just look at, you know, where the Chargers fared in terms of offensive success in 2020. Again, I'm using EPA uh, per play for this um, uh, to look at, you know, where the Chargers ranked. Again, EPA stands for expected points added, and it is one of the best ways to measure offensive efficiency and success on a per play basis because it takes into account that not all yards are created equal and the great thing about epa per play is it is somewhat stable from year to year so you want to have a guy like Jameis winston who throws for 5,000 yards then goes to being the third string quarterback for the new orleans saints the next year so epa epa per play is a great way to measure offensive success so as you can see the Chargers ranked you know in the bottom right quadrant which means they were above average in passing and way below average in rushing they ranked 15th out of every team in EPA per play. And, you know, one thing that um, I would say is encouraging is they were a borderline top 10 offense last year with their rookie quarterback in a shortened offseason with the worst offensive line in the league, right? So we can expect and hope this uh, dropback EPA number to go up. Um, and I think that's really important because in the end, having a passing offense is more important than having a rushing offense, right? If we look at the four teams 
in the conference championship this year, the Bucks, the Packers, the Bills, and the and the, and the Chiefs, right? Like pretty much all four of them ranked in the top five in terms of dropback EPA, which is measuring passing efficiency, right? So you need to have a you know pretty much a top five passing offense to at least reach the conference championship, and that is also something that's stable from year to year, right? So this is the next thing I want to talk about. Um, I put this a graph together. It's kind of like a visualization in, in the sense. So I took a look at every single conference championship team from 2016 to 2020, and I plotted their offensive offensive EPA per play and their defensive EPA per play, right? So the, the x-axis is, is offense and the y-axis is defense. So if you look at the graph, you know, every single team from 2016 to 2020 had a top 10 offense, right? The Vikings in 2017 with, I think, Case Keenum, that was the uh, Minneapolis miracle year. They were the worst offensive team in terms of EPA per play since 2016. And they had a top 10 offense. Every single team that made the conference championship had a top 10 offense, regardless of how bad their defense was, right? Like in 2017, the Patriots had the number one offense in the league and they had the the third worst defense in the league. They had the 30th ranked defense in the league per EPA per play allowed, yet they still made the Super Bowl that year because their offense was good enough to carry them despite how bad their defense, defense was. All right, and somehow Matt Patricia got hired as a head coach the year after the Patriots had the third worst defense in the league. Like, I found that super funny. But, you know, you can see, like, a lot of the Super Bowl winning teams had an elite offense Right. And it, it is really important for teams to build their offense first rather than their defense, which is something I think the Chargers did very well this year. So if you want to pause it and look at like every single team and where they fared from the conference championship and where their offense and defense was, you know, uh, go ahead and take a look. I want to point out again, the, the average offensive rank in terms of EPA per play for every conference championship is right around four. So you, you pretty much need a top four offense to make the conference championship, right? And that is something that is number one, stable from year to year. And number two will allow you to produce in the postseason. And the, the way, the reason I'm saying that is because defensive efficiency and EPA is something that has a high variance, right? You won't, it's very rare that you'll see a defense finish number one in EPA per play allowed in back-to-back -back years. The the Denver Broncos in 2014 and 2015 were one of the only teams to do that. And they had an elite, secondary and, and pass rush with uh, Von Miller, DeMarcus Ware, Chris Harris, Akeem Tlaib, right? Like they had a lot of those guys stay from year to year. But if you look at a team like the Rams, right, in 2020, they had the number one defense in the league, but they lost John Johnson and they lost Troy Hill. So you can expect to see some defensive aggression from year to year. But offense, on the other hand, is stable from year to year because as long as you have an elite quarterback, like an Aaron Rodgers or a Patrick Mahomes or even a Tom Brady, right? You will expect to see some offensive stability from year to year. Yeah, you might see some regression here and there, but it's not like falling from inside the top five to outside the top 15, right? It could be some regression from like ranking third to ranking eighth or ninth. Um, so that is uh, me just explaining a little bit about why, I, you know, having a top 10 offense is necessary. The next thing I want to talk about is, you know, just looking at the Chargers um, offensive EPA per play for every game in 2020, just, you know, tagging along. So the Bengals, they didn't have a great game. You know, Tyrod was starting that game. Chiefs did pretty well in you know, Justin Herbert's first game, ranked, you know, pretty solidly. 
Panthers, I think they just got tripped up with the pass rush. The offensive line was hurt a lot that game. You know, no Trey Turner, no Brian Balaga. They did really well against the Bucks and the Saints and tremendous against the Jaguars. Fell a little bit against the Broncos, did really good against the Raiders. And I think the most important thing to note here is that, you know, Anthony Lynn really got tripped up by three of the best defensive minds in 2020, right? Brian Flores, Sean McDermott, and Bill Belichick are three defensive head coaches that really put the clamps on this Chargers offense. And the offensive EPA per play, you know, represents that they finished pretty much at the at the 25 percentile to the bottom, you know, one of the worst offensive performances in the league last year against the Patriots. So what I'm hoping is with Brandon Staley, he understands the type of defenses that uh, defensive masterminds like Brian Flores and Bill Belichick runs. He can identify the disguises because remember, Keenan Allen literally said, you know, we didn't understand what was going on against the Dolphins game. We weren't prepared for this. So whenever Justin Herbert didn't know what coverage they were in, he just said, okay, I'm just going to hand the ball up the uh, hand the ball up, hand the ball off up the middle. And I think that was just not the way to go. So hopefully Brandon Staley can change this. And if you want to just finish this out, a really great game against the Raiders and the Chiefs. But if you look at it in hindsight, the Raiders were missing a ton of starters that game and the Chiefs were resting all the starters. So it's really hard to measure how well the Chargers offense played towards the end of the year. But um, they were a borderline top 10 offense in terms of passing the ball. And there's a lot to improve on going into next year. But I think they have the ability to be a top 10 offense. The next thing I want to talk about, the Chargers got significantly better along their offensive line. The first step, in my opinion, to going from a borderline top 10 offense to an elite top 10 offense was fixing this offensive line. We've been saying this ever since Philip Rivers, uh, you know, was on the Chargers and he lost guys like Nick, Nick Hardwick. The Chargers have not fielded a good offensive line in years. And I think this is the first year where the head coach and the GM uh, spent significant money and draft capital into this offensive line. Like, it, um, so the, I'm just gonna explain it. The x-axis is pass block efficiency and the y-axis is run block grade. So we're looking at passing, you know, pass block and run block. And I know um, PFF grades aren't, you know, the best way to go about this. I just really couldn't find a better way to measure run blocking uh, with data that was like public, pu publicly available. So I went with that. Um, and you can see, I mean, a lot of the starters that the Chargers have had over the past three years finished in this bottom right, bottom left and bottom right quadrant, which is bad pass blocking, bad run blocking, or bad run blocking and good pass blocking, right? There was, there was no offensive lineman for the Chargers that finished in the top right quadrant, which is good run blocking and good pass blocking. And all three of the Chargers new additions, Corey Lindsley, Odi Abushi, and Matt Filer, all ranked in that top right quadrant, right? Like Matt Filer is replacing Forrest Lamp, bottom left quadrant. Odi Abushi is replacing uh, Trey Turner, right? He's in this uh, bottom right quadrant. But I mean, if you just look at last year, he would be like all the way over here in this, in this bottom left quadrant. Right. And Corey Lindsley is replacing Dan Feeney and Mike Pouncey, both who finished below average when it came to run blocking. Pouncey was okay in pass blocking, you can say, but uh, centers don't necessarily have the hardest job when it comes to pass blocking. They have a more important role when it comes to run blocking. And Brian Balaga, obviously, staying where he's at at right tackle. Hopefully, we get a healthy season out of him because he is a really good offensive lineman when he's healthy. Right. So the Chargers did do a great job improving their offensive line this year. And the way we measure this, Right. Again, I plotted pass blocking efficiency on the on the y axis 
and pressures allowed on the x-axis we're looking at a six-year time frame from 2015 to 2020 the chargers legitimately had the worst offensive line for the past six years and if anyone wants to tell you that Eli Manning should be in the Hall of Fame over Philip Rivers, just know that Philip Rivers had had to deal with one of the worst, if not the worst, offensive line uh, period in NFL history, right? So you want to pause it, look at where the Chargers are, look at where other teams are. Go ahead. Want to point out Saints were the best offensive line during this time period. Raiders were up there as well. Frank Smith coached for. You know both of those teams uh, within the last like decade. So hopefully Joe Lombardi and Frank Smith bring over some of that good luck. Same as Sean Sean Surrett, who's the offensive line assistant, and Steelers had one of the best offensive lines of the past six years. Now the final thing I want to talk about is you know what are their expectations. So uh, I did this a while back before the draft, but I took a look at how teams fared when they drafted an offensive lineman versus a wide receiver in the first round and how their EPA per play uh, rose or dropped the following year. So as you can see, the, the red line represents the line of best fit. It represents the average increase in EPA per play and the blue line represents the average increase in EPA per play when a team drafted a receiver. So red line is offensive lineman and, or offensive tackle and blue line is receiver. So you can see the red line, which is offensive tackle, has a higher, like a, a larger slope, or it's more steeper, right? So, you, so the average uh, EPA per play rise is higher for drafting an offensive tackle than it is for drafting a wide receiver in the first round. So that's why, you know, I really preferred an offensive tackle, whether it was Slater, Derrissaw, even Elijah Bear, Tucker, uh, Tevin Jenkins, whoever it may be, they needed to draft an offensive tackle because the data shows that you have a higher chance of having a better EPA per play and a higher offensive rank the following year, right? So I'm really happy that the Chargers got Rashawn Slater. Everyone should be. And he is, you know, someone that people say is the most polished pass protector in the draft. So we can expect to see some positive uh, EPA per play rise for the Chargers in, in the 2021 season. And hopefully he finally gives the Chargers a blindside blocker and a protector for Justin Herbert for the next 10, 15 years, hopefully. Um, and again, drafting an offensive tackle gives you a better return on investment than drafting a wide receiver in the first round. So that is going to bring me to the end of today's episode. I hope you learned a little bit about where the Chargers ranked in 2020 and why they need to have a top 10 offense in 2021 and for the future because offensive success and efficiency in EPA per play is stable from year to year. So don't forget to comment any potential topics you want me to go over in future episodes. And with that, as always, bolts up.